Successful Performer Cast, Episode 38. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Successful Performer Cast, the show that interviews professional entertainers to inspire you, our listeners. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you of a few things. Be sure to pick up your free PDF show booking and debrief form that I've put together for you. It's an invaluable tool that will help you keep track of all aspects of your show and get everything you can out of it in order to improve your act and grow as a performer. Pick it up at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash booking sheet. Don't forget to visit our Facebook group where you can go and post questions and help each other out with any business challenges you might have. It's a closed group right now, so you'll have to request entry, but don't worry. I'll let you in. I promise. Find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash FB group. Finally, if you can think of anything I can do to improve my show, any resources you'd like to see on my website, or would like to suggest someone to interview, please drop me a line at KS at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com or hit me up on the social networks and let me know. I'm open to suggestions and feedback and have already implemented many suggestions from you guys. Now, let's get to the good stuff. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show a wonderful entertainer. Brian Brushwood is a magician, TV host, podcaster, author, and internet celebrity. Magic-wise, he's performed his Bizarre Magic show around the country at colleges and universities. He's the host of Discovery's Scam School, where he teaches all sorts of magic tricks and bar bets that you can use to score free drinks from your friends at the bar. He's also authored six books on the subject of magic. Internet-wise, he's been featured on a number of shows and podcasts like The NSFW Show, Weird Things, Too Long Didn't Listen, Cord Killers, Night Attack, and he's been a frequent guest on Leo Laporte's show This Week in Tech. I guess you can say he's sort of a big deal on the internet. And as if that isn't enough, he can most recently be seen on TV hosting Nat Geo's Hacking the System. Brian Brushwood, I am super stoked to have you as a guest on the successful Performer Cast today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, when you when you lay it all out like that, it kind of sounds fancy. Uh, I was like, wow, this guy sounds like he must uh, be a competent individual who knows what he's doing. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, it's me. <laughs> well, you know, you have uh, achieved a, a lot of good stuff, sir. So <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind to say so. So let's, uh, let's start off with a little bit of inspiration. Do you have a favorite success quote or a specific mantra that you live by? Uh, yeah, like uh, fail faster, right? That's the whole idea. If you want to double your success rate, double your failure rate. You know, get out there. Um, uh, you know, personally, uh, I think that there are a million very good reasons why people should wait. Uh, especially in the the realm of magic, you should wait until you have a better headshot. You should wait until your website's set up. You should wait until that demo video is fully edited. You should wait until you have more shows under your belt. Um, there are a million good reasons to wait and you should ignore all of them. Just get out there and be spectacularly bad because, uh, greatness is forged, uh, in the heart of failure. Yeah. And, and how many failures did it take to, to finally invent the light bulb? 
Uh, I, what was it? Like the uh, ten thousand, right? That's the Something like that. The, the quote is no. I've I've successfully identified thousands of ways not to make a light bulb. Exactly. Yeah. I successfully figured out uh, how to not entertain a lot of people for years and years and years, and then finally got better. Wow. Yeah. Could you give us a specific uh, uh, example of how you how you maybe went out there when you didn't feel you were you were ready, and and how that uh, how that helped you out? I mean, you're, you're never going to feel 100% ready. Or, or if, if you do feel ready, if you feel like, oh, I got this, then it's because you're safe, right? Yeah. And I guess that's the, the thing is let's not call it a, a distinction between ready versus not ready. It's sure, a sure. Distinction of like comfortable versus uncomfortable. The best talent you can have as a performer to grow and develop is to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's what, uh, you know, test pilots have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something wonderful in the ability to detach yourself from the moment and assess what is happening. Like, Oh, this is unpleasant. They really aren't liking my show. What can I learn from this? And if you make these, uh, that distinction, I mean, uh, that's how you grow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the whole way we get strong is by breaking down our muscle tissue and then it has, it regrows and, and, and makes you stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's Seth Godin who, who says, uh, you know, you can only prepare so much at, at some point there comes a time when you have to ship. Yeah. Well, well and that's just it, right. Is uh, a commit to the product first and then figure out how you're going to make it happen. It's it's it it sounds perverse, and and we have this whole idea that is like, no, you have to craft your beautiful thing, and then only what is ready do you release it to the masses. It's uh, that's not true. W- what you need to do is promise to be there at a time and deliver a show, and then uh, uh, book the gig, and then freak out in the months <laughs> leading up to that moment, and just make sure that you show up ready to do something that resembles what you. Advertised. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so, Brian, could you talk about how you transitioned into performing magic full time? How did that play out for you? It was a. Uh, uh, I I never understood. I, I, okay, when you're when you're younger, you think you have infinite time, right? And yeah. uh, I was working a day job, and I was still performing in the evenings. Uh, every Wednesday night, I would go out and perform at. A uh, place called the Electric Lounge, and I would pass the hat, you know, make fifty, a hundred dollars. Mainly, I was excited because I got to drink for free and watch the uh, the amazing Asylum Street Spankers perform. And uh, you know, I knew that that Thursdays I'd be, you know, dragging my ass and 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 suffering through. But uh, in that brief moment, I got a, I got a taste of what it felt like to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those things like you just you always assume there's extra time to get around to doing all these things. And, uh, so uh, in that great catalog of lies, I told myself was, uh, yeah, one of these days, who knows, maybe that magic could be a full-time thing. That would be a fun thing to try. Eventually I'll get around to doing that. And then what happened was I got a raise and, uh, I, I don't think it had the, uh, expected, uh, consequence because the moment I looked at, it, I was like, Oh, Oh crap, this is grown up money. And then it hit me like a thunderbolt that this is how it happens. This is how people end up doing something they hate for the rest of their lives yeah, is the yeah. money just gets too good to walk away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. you know, it wasn't the craziest amount of money in the world. Like, uh, you know, I, I had an entry level position at Dell at the time, like in the low 30,000s. And then all of a sudden I was in the mid 30,000s. I was like, Oh wait, but if I hit 40,000, how do you quit that? And so, 
Uh, and so as a direct result of the, of the raise, I was like, okay, I need to get this out of my system. I need to, I I'm serving two masters and I can't, uh, I can't originally, I, to be honest, really didn't think the full-time magic thing was going to work. I only wanted to purge myself of it so I could just fully focus on being a, a corporate, uh, whatever guy at Dell and, I, I I fully expected to just spend a year, uh, come back in debt and work off uh, debt, but always be able to have the story of, uh, oh, for a while I tried to be a full time magician, and instead, you know, uh, I I quit, and it turned out to be a really good decision. Wow, wow, <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, crazy. it's uh, and not not that I set out to fail, but um, but but my goal was uh, the, uh, one of two ways this is going to work out. Either I'm going to have done it and I won't spend my whole life wondering what might have been mm-hmm. uh, or it'll turn out to actually be a, a, a workable thing and th- that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, after at the end of that first year, I still had made crap money. Like I, I went from, you know, making a, a grown up salary of, you know, whatever, mid 30s uh, at Dell to grossing only $16,000 that first year. And, oh, wow. you know, of course, everything's paid out of pocket. Uh, and I, but at the end of that year, I was like, okay, I'm not there, but I see how this could work. I, uh, and so I encouraged my wife to quit her job and, and, and work with me. And, uh, it was, uh, it was great. It was, it was, it was a great and terrifying, uh, experience. And when I look back on it, I don't understand how Bonnie's parents, uh, still acknowledged me because I would not let whoever marries my daughters do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and you have, uh, you have three daughters, right? Yeah. Three little girls. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, I guess the stakes are even higher now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, you, you actually kind of saw the writing on the wall when you got that raise, you could kind of see some golden handcuffs forming. And, and, uh, so you decided to, to give this a go. Could you maybe talk about, uh, how you prepared, uh, yourself to, to try and, you know, give yourself the best shot at making this work. Yeah. Well, you, I guess you do kind of a self-assessment, right? First thing I did was a goal setting exercise where you do stuff like describe your perfect day. You write down specific targets of where you'd like to be in five years, 10 years and over the next year, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I, I think for me, the best thing that happened is that I, I inherently don't think I'm terribly talented. I inherently don't think um, that uh, that I have a special gift for performance, which is has been maybe my greatest asset because it is just built into me like, well, that's fine. I don't have all these things. I just have to work harder than everyone else. So as a result, like everything I, I do, I, I, I think, well, because I'm not very good, I'll just work you know harder than everyone else. And, uh, and to be honest, um, uh, I, I want to say, man, back in the 1980s, I think I saw a Kevin Bacon interview where he said that about himself. And that really stuck with me. He said, uh, he said, I don't regard myself as a terribly talented actor. So, uh, that's why I, I work so much harder. And I was like, there's something beautiful in that. So basically for the next, uh, uh, what's been 15 years, uh, just hustle straight up hustle. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Now you, you mentioned, um, you, you couldn't believe that, uh, that your in-laws would, uh, would let you do that. And, and, uh, you know, just cause you, you were going out on your own and stuff. Did you encounter any resistance from family and friends? You get the kind of, um, 
Well, I don't know. By the by the time it came to actually jump, mm-hmm. they were they were fairly supportive, and uh, a big part of that was that Bonnie had made clear, uh, "Hey, Brian is going to do this thing, and I am supporting him." And so, you know, at that point, it's like, well, what's what's there to do but to support him? But certainly, when we just got married, and they found out that in the back of my head, I was holding out, you know, for uh, one of these days, I'll do magic full time. They, uh, uh, <laughs> I believe, the phrase. Married you under false pretenses came up <laughs> at, oh, at, at some point, which is again, it's it's difficult because you know when you have in laws, you know you're you're still figuring out you know how how to get along with your uh, significant other, much yeah. less you know your 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 newly adopted second family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but to their credit, they they were patient, uh, and uh, I guess my advice is, uh, man, did things get a lot easier once I'd been on the Tonight Show. <laughs> so oh, if, nice. if you just get on the tonight show then then it tends to to quiet the uh the the vocal objections of your in-laws yeah yeah and that was uh you, you were doing the the human uh twisty straw or something yeah right? the crazy straws oh man that's a sight well, i'll put that on the uh that video on the show notes so that uh our listeners can have a look at that as well cool so, man what a what a counterintuitive weird thing like i remember oh, sitting in the back of a car and uh, for those of you guys who don't know, it's basically uh, if you've ever seen the the so-called mental floss effect, where you take mm-hmm. a, a a like a balloon or a spaghetti or whatever, run it up your nose, pull it out your mouth, and it's just a, a quick visual sight gag. And I remember thinking that uh, that man, that balloon, it seems like you should be able to send a liquid through that. And I was just uh, basically trying to figure out how to take a lunchroom prank and make it as big as possible. And for whatever reason, man, that, that, that goofy ass, uh, just shoving a tube up my nose, uh, took me all around the world. (laughs) (laughs) That is bizarre. And, and you, you were even invited on there again to do the same thing. Isn't that true? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. They uh, they brought me back the second time we did the, uh, uh, the, the fake, um, okay. uh, The Russian roulette. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's funny is, is like you could still, I think, I think right now it's making the rounds on Vine, but it's this little uh, 10 second clip of me appearing to do uh, the smash and stab routine and screwing it up. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. I, I, I had a <laughs> half a knife taped to the back of my hand, uh, but uh, I, I actually made that for the folks over at uh, the Tonight Show. And for two years, it just sort of sat on my hard drive. And then finally, I was like, oh, I, I should post that on my channel. And uh, from there, it just took off. It hit that grandma circuit, and everyone was forwarding it in their emails. Uh, wow. This is probably it's the closest thing to a genuine viral sensation I ever put together. Yeah. <laughs> you, sir, are a meme. <laughs> oh, man. I don't so, know if I'm proud of that. <laughs> well, I, I suppose it could go either way. Now, we, we've all had them. Could you tell us about a specific business failure that you've had, something that we can all learn from? Ooh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I guess financially, uh, you know, it's weird once you start, uh, once you start gigging, right. And, and once you start, uh, being able to book shows to the tune of, you know, we'll say, we'll say $800, you know, or $2,000 or whatever it is. Yeah. Like you, you tend to start thinking of investment and gang, uh, gambles as, uh, in, in terms of show, like, well, you know, hopefully this will work. And if it doesn't work, then, well, it's just one show. And, um, uh, man, I guess this is that flaw of the human brain where it's like, I, there ain't no money in remembering all the bad ideas that I've had. So I guess I'm not holding on to those. 
So I, I, I know, I know there has to be a lot of wasted money and bad investments, mm -hmm. but it's hard for me to really think of them right now, Yeah. which I well, guess that's, about, that's a wonderful thing is like, uh, the penalty for failure isn't, you know, that, that, that you have to rub your nose in it. I mean, you just forget. Yeah. You don't remember them. That, wow. So is there maybe a, uh, a performance failure that you've had that you can share with us? Oh, oh sure. I mean, I've had bad <laughs> gigs, if that's what we're getting at. Uh, it was at Davis and Elkins College 10 years ago. I remember uh, like, what, uh, 900 people in the audience, this giant theater. Uh, and if you're not familiar with my show, it's a, a very kind of uh, anti-magic. I don't want to say anti-magic, but like um, uh, I've always regarded the Bizarre Magic show as a magic show for people who think they hate magic shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so it's very kind of make it fun of, uh, uh, you know, we were just coming out of the 1990s uh, when the world's greatest magic specials were on and you know, you had the blow dried hair and uh, uh, sparkles and all of that stuff. And my show was very much rejection. <laughs> mullets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mullets. Yes. And uh, 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 doing the show there, it was clear that they wanted all those things. Like, like the only moment that they really seemed to like was the, uh, uh, the, the moment I'm making fun of the, uh, uh, uh all of that world's greatest magic stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, at any rate, um, it was really weird cause I got off stage and you could just feel like it was just a mismatch of energy. They didn't like my counter cultural, uh, take on things and they full on someone full on, Threw fruit at my stage. That's a real thing. I, I didn't even know that was a real thing. I walked off stage and all of a sudden an orange just went splat against one of my uh, uh, props. And I was like, wait, did, did that just happen? And uh, <laughs> apparently that's a thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. From it, the groundlings, a, right? <laughs> it was a big, long uh, four hour drive back where I had to evaluate. I was like, okay, what, what can I learn from this? And it occurred to me, like, well, among other things, that um, it's okay to say no to certain gigs. It's okay to uh, figure out how to uh, couch everything so that the audience becomes prepared to experience your voice and your story. And as a direct result of that, I was like, okay, well, let's never have this experience again. Let's. Uh, I immediately wrote a uh, a whole pre-show slideshow thing. So it's like when you go to the movie theater and and there's trivia questions and advertisements for Coca-Cola or whatever. Mm -hmm. Instead, it all sort of sowed the seeds uh, of of explaining. Uh, you know, hey, this is a magic show. It's also going to be an unconventional magic show. It's going to have a sly sense of humor. Brian's this guy. He was yeah. on you know the Tonight Show. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and. Um, and it fundamentally made the show so much better. I learned so much about presentation and and uh, crafting a culture. Uh, you know, you it's sort of um, Tom Merritt says of the internet that you get the chat room you deserve. And in many ways, for that brief two hours that you're on stage or at that venue or at that college, it's uh, you craft the culture and expectations of folks in the audience right there. Hmm. Yeah, before you even get up there. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, why wouldn't you uh, take advantage of that time when people are just sitting there waiting for your show to start to kind of prime them up and, and kind of let them know a little bit of what to expect? Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's uh, it's uh, grooming, right? You're grooming the audience and setting their expectations. Yeah. Yep. So uh, on the other side of the spectrum, could you tell us about your favorite success? 
Uh, yeah, well, uh, is, uh, if if you do watch that, uh, man, and it's hard to even convey to anyone under the age of 30 right now, mm-hmm. what a big deal The Tonight Show was. I mean, it's like, you know, there there existed a time yeah, where yeah. only three channels and uh, and this was the place. This was the only venue to do it. Uh, and uh, you'll notice as I'm doing again, the human crazy star is so dumb. Uh, but, <laughs> but you'll <laughs> notice uh, like. It was the first time we had ever tried uh, this whole getup where it would uh, these tubes would run all over my body, Mm -hmm. and uh, during rehearsal it 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 like uh, hung up halfway like there wasn't enough water pressure, Mm -hmm. so uh, the liquid didn't make it around the body, and it was like I hope that doesn't happen because if there's a kink in there or whatever, Uh, and if you watch the that footage. There's this moment that the liquid wraps around my head and I feel the coldness on my forehead as it goes through. Yeah. And by that point, like I know that it's definitely going to come out and everything worked and it happened. And uh, you can see me fighting a smile in that moment because once, <laughs> once we get there, it occurs to me like this is it. It's happening. I am on The Tonight Show. Uh, uh, the trick worked. And everyone is about to cheer. And uh, I don't know. It was just, you know, it's important to take those little snaps, snapshot moments. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's really cool. So h- how did you get on The Tonight Show? Uh, sent them uh, tapes multiple times, actually. Uh, so, uh, and again, this is when, when you don't believe you're inherently talented or deserve anything, you, you double hustle, right? So in yeah. my case, what I did was, I bought a bunch of atomic fireballs, tubs of atomic fireballs from, uh, from Sam's club. Uh, so I spent like $300, got a whole bunch of them and, uh, stuffed a VHS tape into each of them and, uh, put a sign on the side that says, think these are hot, try eating fire. Brian brush would eat fire and does a bunch of other crap. And then, uh, you know, turn around and spent, uh, $20 a pop to ship them out to, uh, a, a list. I just made a, 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 went to some TV guide website and, uh, collected all of the different TV shows that uh, I thought I might be a match for and called them, oftentimes calling the ticket line, saying, hey, who books your guests and what's their address and uh, I, I'm going to send you a tape and so on. And at fir- the first time, uh, the uh, Tonight Show called just to say, thank you for sending this. Uh, we think you're too weird. So it was, it was a very weird phone call, you know, because it was like, you know, there's footage of me shoving nails in my eyes and it's yeah. you know, very geek. And, uh, and, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's, that's fine. Uh, thanks. And then, uh, uh, and so, uh, I did end up getting my first ever TV appearance, uh, on, uh, the Roseanne show. I don't know if you know, but Roseanne had a, uh, talk show for about 20 minutes in the late nineties. Yeah. I think and I remember it, that. Yeah. It was clear, you know, it was, it was going downhill. It was clearly about to be canceled and mm-hmm. shut down. Uh, but it didn't matter because, you know, and it's so weird to go out there when everybody knows a project is doomed, but, uh, which is why I think they brought me on. And it's definitely why they didn't tell her what I was going to do because turns out she's a crazy germaphobe. And, oh, no. uh, <laughs> yeah, but they didn't tell her I was going to do the human blockhead and shove nails in my eyes. Uh, at any rate, so it worked. And I talked to a friend of mine who is a, uh, a marketing and branding specialist. And I was like, well, uh, that worked really well. I don't know what to do next. And he was like, what do you mean what to do next? Um, I thought you said it worked really well. 
I was like, well, yeah, but now I've done that. So, so, so what should my next campaign be? He's like, well, if it worked, you do the exact same thing again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and so, and so I, uh, I, I, I did the exact same thing. And it was the second time it was just, you know, the right, uh, idea and ended up talking to the folks over at the tonight show. And they kept calling back like once a month. Uh, to and they it was always the same. They're like, You're not weird. saying that we need you, but if we did need you on Thursday, could you come out? And I was like, yes, 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 yes. And uh, including times where it's like I'd have to cancel a show last minute or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then um and then one time they're like, yep, it's definitely happening. You're flying out. Let's do this. Whew. Wow, wow, wow. So just just being persistent. Oh, sure. Well, yeah. and, and this is the thing is what you want is a home run. Mm -hmm. And the way to get the most home runs is to have the most at bats. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't yeah. control the circumstances or the time or what they're looking for, but I can control the number of times that I, that I ask, uh, uh what was it? Tony Robbins say, you have to just ask, uh, uh, you have to ask with acuity. You have to ask in a smart way, but most people don't ever even ask. They just yeah. assume that it's not going to work out. And so guess what? It doesn't. Wow. And, and it goes back to your fail faster. The, the more yeah. failures you, you go through, the closer you get to a success. Yeah. The, uh, I think one of my favorite quotes, uh, it, it probably doesn't originate with uh, Brian Tracy, but, uh, mm -hmm. but it was from him that I heard it. He said that uh, uh, successful people suffer from reverse paranoia. They are convinced that the universe is conspiring for their success. Oh, and if, if you think about it, like it makes perfect sense because if you believe that the universe wants you to succeed, uh, even if it's uh, based on a nonsense, erroneous belief, uh, it, it, having that belief will cause you to take risks. You'll, you'll show up, she'll show up at the plate. You'll, you'll take a swing and swing for the fences. And uh, whereas if you don't, you won't. Yeah. Wow. I, I love that quote. I, I think I've heard it somewhere before, but just like it, it gets back into your mind and it, even just hearing it, it kind of helps to shift your mindset a little bit, you know? Well, and even if it's a lie and in your heart, you know, it's a lie mm -hmm. just keep telling it to yourself because it is a functionally useful belief to have. And, uh, if, if you, you know, your brain can't distinguish between, that which is vividly imagined and that which is actually real. You know, if, uh, you know the old exercise where it's like you uh, imagine chewing on a lemon and your, your mouth floods with saliva. Um, turns out that we are what we tell ourselves most of the time. And yeah. if we tell ourselves that, that you know, I am, a, uh, I, I am a person who has a good enough show, uh, that I'm a hardworking person, that uh, will will uh, try to book a bunch of shows or whatever, uh, then that becomes true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And isn't that uh, isn't that from the strangest secret? You are what you think about most of the time. Yes, that yeah. is okay. That that yeah, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> All right. So what what uh, what has worked best for you in growing your business, Brian? Hmm. Not. <laughs> sitting around waiting for things to happen. Okay. Like, uh, you happen to life. Don't let life happen to you. All right. So go out and, and make the opportunities for yourself, basically. Yeah, or at least try. I mean, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You wasted a day. I mean, you're yeah. definitely going to waste a day. You sit there playing Far Cry 4, which is exactly <laughs> what I plan to do today. Nice. High five. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you've gained uh, you've gained quite a respectable sized audience on the internet. Oh, good. Right? So for a second there, I thought you were going to just point out that I've gained a lot of weight. So I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You've gained a considerable <laughs> amount of weight, Brian. No, 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 sir. <laughs> no, I, I was saying you, you've gained quite a respectable sized audience on the internet. Can you talk about how you've gone about that? Uh, yes. Don't. Don't okay. So uh, uh, the internet is such an amazing, delightful force in that it has reminded everyone, or it has exposed uh, the inherent humanity that we all have. Um, that uh, yeah, you, you know, we live in a warts and all culture now, mm-hmm. where everything you do is written in sharpie. You don't get to craft this this fantasy of of who it is you're pretending to be. Um, which to many people is intimidating and terrifying. And there's a lot of public figures that, that shape their own reality. They create a bubble and they, uh, you know, like they block people on Twitter. They don't get an argument. You know, if anyone uh, disagrees with them, they just, you know, shut it down because you could do that. Uh, that's a thing that exists. Uh, but to me, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know. There's something delightful about owning your mistakes. There's a number of discussions that, uh, that I've had on Twitter that I'm like, well, I probably didn't handle that very well. And so, uh, you don't get to pull out the eraser and make those little black marks go away. So instead what you do is you have to surround them with so much, uh, white, which, uh, as I'm saying this, this sounds uh, like racist or something, <laughs> but, uh, but like, uh, if, if we're going to define, you know, black marks is a bad thing. Um, uh, but you, you just surround it with so much joy and positivity and trying to make something good happen that all they see that, that anyone looking at the big mosaic only sees, uh, all, all that goodness that you did. Uh, and so likewise, you know, it's like, um, uh, it's a million little at bats. Every time you post a tweet on Twitter, every time you post a video on your YouTube channel, every time you make a podcast, you know, there'll be good episodes. There'll be bad episodes. And it's just up to you to keep showing up and keep, uh, just trying to have a, a better average, uh, you know, more, more goods than, than bad, you know, to quote the, uh, the, the great sage, the big Lebowski, big Lebowski, (laughs) it's, uh, you know, it's all strikes and gutters. Uh, just try to have more strikes. And um, if many people short circuit because they have a fear of, of failing, they don't want to try and fail. But again, man, if you can get past that fear of failure, if you could just acknowledge that failure is the unpleasant uh, side effect of trying and caring, then it's like, yeah, let's all try and care. And uh, in you know, worst cases, we come across as a flawed human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, and and so just uh, just through that all, I mean, people people see just how how human we are, and I think people connect better with with people who are just uh, you know just out there. You know what I mean? And and not trying to hide anything, not trying to be something, but just being themselves. Yes. Well, and that was the hardest thing to do, right? Because I just you know uh, I've, I've got that performer mentality where it's like I just assume that. Then I'm a, a piece of trash who doesn't deserve success. And so, uh, but, but as a result, you know, if there's a gift in that, it is that uh, you're able to speak without pretense. It's you're able to do a diagnostic of yourself as an outsider and say, for example, the whole reason 
uh, I started doing podcasting was once we launched Scam School, I was like, oh, this is so exciting. It's so mm-hmm. good. They're so slickly produced. I love it. But I also acknowledged that I lacked certain skills. I, I said, you know, what do I want? I want to resonate with a giant community. And there's no way a single five-minute episode once a week is going to create this rabid fan base. Yeah. It's like I need to be the kind of person that can speak from the heart, off the cuff, and engage a bunch of people. And the immediate realization was, oh, I don't know how to do that. And so I had to find a place to be bad before I could be good. So Ustream had just come out, and so I opened up a little Ustream uh, account, and I just turned on the camera, and I go back. It's so cringeworthy. They're awful. Uh, January, <laughs> January 1st, 2009, you could see me in this exact same spare bedroom just just barely treading water for three hours straight. It was it's horrific to watch. Wow. But yeah. it is what defined me as learning how to speak in front of a, a microphone. And if something about that resonates with people, then fantastic. That's 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 great. But it all begins with with a very awkward, awkward thing. And you know, that's why we have folks like uh, the meltdown of your your, you know, your Britney Spears or your uh uh, 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 freaking, uh, who's the new, uh, Justin Bieber mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> five years ago, uh, but uh. <laughs> Justin Bieber's is, is you have too much success coming too fast and they think they have to be good all the time and there's no place for them to be bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that regard, I am so very, very thankful that only 40 people tuned in for my first live stream. So I could be so incredibly bad at it and, uh, in a safe, safe space. Wow, yeah, and that was uh, was that the BB Live show? Yeah, 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 and, and I never got around to making a better title, but yeah, it was, uh, the BB Live show, which became uh, NSFW, and of course now is the Independent uh, Night Attack podcast. Uh, all of that, you know, there's mm-hmm. this rhythm that that flows uh, that doesn't come from scratch. I, I there are people who love the blank page because they can write their exact vision of what they want their story or their script or their routine to be. Uh, I am not one of those guys. I need a lump of clay that I can sort of look at and feel like, uh, you know, there's something in here. I think it's, I think it's maybe a a guy leaned over, uh, you know, and, and just chip away everything. That's not the guy. And yeah, and you know, left with the, with that statue on the inside, I need, I need um, something to work with and to work out on the fly. Yeah. How often did you do that, the the BB Life show? We did every week. And that's the other thing, too, is having a regularity. If you're somebody who wants to create uh, any kind of online operation, uh, regularity of content is king. You've got to keep coming out every single time. People need to know to expect, oh, it's the day that I get to see that thing again. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do with this show. I put it out every Friday. And I've been going since, uh, when did I launch? April? April, April 25th or something like that. Um, and I've, you know, been going every Friday and, you know, the, the hardest thing to do for me is, is, um, you know, trying to, trying to keep it going and trying to, um, you know, like book the, the guests and, and the interviews and stuff. And I was actually kind of, uh, a little nervous as to how things were going to go in December because I'm interviewing entertainers and December is like, you know, 
prime time for for magicians and stuff too you know <laughs> yeah sure sure well you know you learn little things like how to bank enough episodes and mm-hmm. it's amazing how you could just put your head down and in the moment and even now as you're hosting this interview i'm sure you're thinking about like how to keep the conversation afloat or sure make it through the next uh, 30 seconds what's the next question i can queue up or whatever it is astonishing that at some point you look up and five years has passed and you've done 300 episodes and all of a sudden you're not a guy trying to do a thing. You're a guy who has done the thing, you know, and that's, that's very much where we're at with scam school right now. Uh, somebody pointed out that, um, uh, we're creeping up on, on, on a decade. We are, are you serious? Yeah. We shot the pilot in 2007. It's about to be 2015 in 20 minutes, right? Wow, like, dude. Like, we're going to be closer to 10 years than not 10 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to me, I'm still this upstart kid who is doing his, uh, you know, uh, horse crap uh, magic uh, podcast on the side. And, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, but, but that's not who I am to anyone under the age of 25. You know, they, they all are like, oh, that's the guy who, you know, that's the king who uh, uh, used to have goofy hair and uh, who definitely did uh, hundreds and hundreds of episodes teaching me most of the magic that I know. And it's like, uh, it's all made of those small, small steps. Yeah. Yep. How do you eat an elephant? Yeah. One bite at a time, <laughs> right? You got you to start. Exactly. Wow. Congratulations on that, by the way, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I did not say that for uh, fishing a compliment for a compliment. No, 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 not. A- <laughs> I'm still I shocked and uh, amazed that everything is still happening. Yeah, I, I keep waiting for the world to figure out that I'm a fraud and an imposter. Uh, and uh, so far, like, uh, no matter how loud I scream it, uh, mm-hmm. it nobody seems to listen. Which, by the way, is is turns out a completely normal effect uh, in in all professions. Uh, is it the the imposter effect? Is that what they call it? Imposter but syndrome. It, yeah, syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, once you know that, uh, man, how much easier it is to to go for it. You're like, oh, I'm just experiencing the imposter syndrome. Yeah, and press on. Yeah. <laughs> So, Brian, your job has required you to do a lot of traveling and touring. Could you talk about how you've balanced that with your family? Yeah, I guess I'm lucky in that even when I dated my wife, Bonnie, we lived in different cities about 45 miles uh, apart from each other. Okay. Uh, you know, or I, I got 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, I was in Austin. She was in San Marcos, uh, which meant that uh, there was never a time that we saw each other that it didn't involve, you know, a big journey to go to go see her, uh, which meant like maybe once a week I'd be able to hang out with her. And the nice thing about that is that if I was going to, you know, take the hour long drive, then it was important to me to be present. You know, it's like, well, I came all the way here to see you. So I'm focused on you. It wasn't like so many other relationships I'd seen at the time where people would just hang out, just be around each other, watch TV separately. You know, you happen to be on the same couch, but, uh, not really engaged. It's like, it was always very intentional and on purpose. Uh, and I think that carried through long, longer to our marriage is that when it came time to, for me to start doing road gigs, it was just like the rest of the time. Bonnie is a very independent person who can handle her stuff. And, uh, now that we have the kids, the kids have never experienced anything otherwise. Like they've grown up with, yeah, dad's here sometimes and they're not here sometimes, Mm -hmm. which, um, it was my experience as well. My dad traveled a lot. Yeah, he worked in the oil business when we okay. were kids. So he had gone for, for months at a time. Uh, I, so I guess there is strength in not having ever experienced anything other than this. 
Okay, so I mean, it, it, there's basically a normalcy about it, just because that's uh, that's the way it's always been for you guys. Yeah, well, and the nice thing about that is when you know when Dad is home, he gets to be all the way home. Yeah, it's yeah. to be fully engaged, and it doesn't matter that it's two o'clock in the afternoon because Dad's got that crazy upside down schedule. He'll be he'll be yelling obscenities on the internet later this evening, but <laughs> right now, you know, we can we can play games together. Who's that crazy man upstairs yelling? <laughs> it really is, man. It's so weird. I, I I deeply adore the efficiency of the whole podcasting thing. Yeah. The 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 fact that I, I I still marvel that somehow I'm I, I'm able to eke out a living, uh, walking into this mysterious uh, uh TARDIS and uh, traveling all around the world and entertaining people. Uh, mm you know, doing the live podcasting stuff. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's so magical to me. And if you told me 20 years ago that this is where I'd end up, number one, I would think that's awesome. Uh, but number two, I wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, along with, uh, with your huge following online, you also have a number of, um, you, like uh, a number of night attack, uh, albums, um, all kinds of other different products for magicians and stuff. Could you talk about, um, uh, ways you've you've come up, uh, kind of ha- how you've been able to approach getting in passive income, kind of stuff. Yeah, this is a this has been a relatively new thing for me. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I say that, but then also I'm about to tell you about how uh, over a decade ago I wrote uh, my first book, yeah. uh, exactly to get that passive income. Um, you know, r- writing books is a good way to to create uh, uh, passive income. Um, what you want to do is create a structure to uh, make possible the rest of your life. So if you have, you know, most of us as performers tend to think in terms of gigs, which is great. Uh, however, at the end of the day, you're trading your time for money. And yeah. uh, there's a life cycle to that that kind of burns out. Um, I, I Watching people, especially in the college market, uh, who were near the end of their life cycle? They, uh, they, you know, the money's great when they're doing gigs and they're popular for this thing. But then all of a sudden, they're creeping up on sixty years old, and it was weird to see them tell these little lies to themselves and and to other people, saying things like, "Ah, you know, colleges they, they just don't book like they used to. Uh, nobody books now. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's crazy." Uh, and and meanwhile, it's like, uh, no, you got hooked on trading your time for money and it was a good gig for about 20 or 30 years. And now you are a less marketable commodity and you didn't build a structure to support you. And that's why you are where you are right now. And it's like, I I, I didn't want to be that guy. And so it's like, I knew even, even in my twenties, I knew there were things that I needed to learn how to do. I needed to learn how to speak in front of a camera. I needed to learn how to have a talent that wasn't, you know, involved with my hands, which, you know, for all I knew when I got old, my hands might become unreliable, but yeah. if you know how to talk, you can keep going forever. So I knew <laughs> that I had to learn how to talk and I knew that I needed to learn how to tell stories. But beyond that, and this has really been in the last five years, uh, you know, I knew that there needed to be a structure that could scale at Google. They don't have any solutions that involve a person having to touch a thing because that will not scale. That'll work great to solve this one bug or this one thing at this one time. But uh, eventually when everything scales and becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, you run into a labor problem. You have to keep hiring more people. It's a bad fix. Uh, likewise, 
that's the problem with trading your time for for money is that it doesn't scale. You always are having to chase that other gig or that other thing. Uh, if if you're on stage and you nail an off the cuff moment and everybody dies and cries laughing, uh, that is a genuinely delightful moment that comes and goes and will be forgotten next week. Certainly not remembered next year. They don't even remember your name next year. Yeah. Whereas if you're funny on the internet, if you have that same moment in a virtualized setting, that is a that is a that is a a faux version of you that lives and exists with some very real part of your personality and entertains people for years and years and years. That stupid video where uh, where where I uh, you know I faked screwing up the hand stab thing has brought a a wry smile to millions of people. And I, it didn't take any more of my time and it just built uh, a little bit more of my presence. So as a result, um, it's been important for me to figure out how to virtualize everything I can, even the books. Like uh, we have, I eventually did get a, a publishing deal and there's a physical copy of the scam school book mm -hmm. and we're working on the next book as, as well. Cool. But I love deeply adore the ebook versions of it because there's no infrastructure. There's no cost. It's, it's, it's inherently efficient people. Uh, at the end of the day, they don't want uh, clumps of pulp, pressed and printed on what yeah. they want is the knowledge of these magic tricks and a piece mm -hmm. of your personality. And if you could virtualize that and create it in an environment where people are able to, to, you know, jump on it, then I think you'll be much better off for a much longer time. Uh, I guess the only bad news is it's going to take you a while to put all that together. Like, I mean, this is, we are now <laughs> finally at kind of the reaping phase of a 15 year journey. It's been 15 years since I quit my day job. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So what, what has been your, your biggest professional challenge so far? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I suppose dealing with, uh, in, in, uh, not so much indec indecision, but like, uh, uh, just this crippling uh, questioning whether or not I'm I'm doing the right thing because you know it's like we all we all just take a stab and keep stabbing and we hope to uh, after the fact look back and say uh, and that's why I'm awesome you know this uh, <laughs> this this uh, I don't know crippling self doubt to, to validate yourself yeah well yeah. well because well, you don't know like we all have a tendency to just just like there's the imposter syndrome where we're convinced that we're frauds. Uh, there's also, uh, the reverse is true because we all might, uh, we all want to tell ourselves these narratives after the fact, like, well, and because I was so smart, that's why my VHS tapes, uh, like even now the versions, all of the stories I'm telling you are me remembering the successes and forgetting the failures. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm acting as though I knew for a fact that spending $500 on a bunch of atomic fireballs was the way to make an impression and get on these shows. I don't know anything. And, and for every one story like that, I'm sure there's 10 stories of me having made just a bad call. Like it turned out to be wrong. Uh, but luckily we don't hang on to those. We don't remember them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As, as a matter of fact, there was an amazing moment. Uh, okay. There's a, uh, the morning show on the rock station here in Austin, um, uh, 93.7 KLBJ. Uh, I, I guess there was a couple of times I had been on the show when I first got started. And, uh, at one point I did this mentalism routine, mm -hmm. eight minutes of buildup as I get them to pick a card and, and, uh, I'm going to figure out what their card was. After eight minutes of buildup, 
I was just wrong. Just percent wrong. And no saving it. Like, I remember him saying, uh, no, uh, A for effort, though. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was like, oh, well, what can you do? And then I went home and I was like, oh, my God, you know, 30,000 people were listening live. And I just borked it. You know, this is terrible. And I held on to that abject failure for years and years. And then uh, later, Scam School launched. And uh, there was a, 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 a like a PR firm that was like, hey, if, uh, if you want us to use these PR resources, we'll get you booked a bunch of places. I was like, yes, please do. And uh, they ended up booking me back on, um, you know, KLBJ. And so I headed in there thinking to myself, well, they're going to know mm-hmm. and they're going to make a big thing about how I failed to probably parade out that moment. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, queued and, up, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 I wasn't worried about like uh, you know even then like uh, I knew that everyone has short term memories and it's like okay you know the people who listened you know they probably won't remember but these guys will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got there and it became immediately apparent that even the DJs had no memory of having met me before. They didn't remember me utterly failing live on the air. And then it struck me like like to them. Uh, I'm I'm just this 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 uh, this cool kid who has a show on the internet, and uh, it struck me like literally I I went home and I told my wife and I was like oh man uh, I can't I couldn't believe it even the DJs didn't remember me failing on the show and it struck me that like you know we're the only ones who remember this failure and that I've manufactured all my own anxiety over this because <laughs> I'm you know you you and me are the only ones who remember yeah and Bonnie says the hell are you talking about <laughs> i said i said no no no. when i when i went on the air and failed really bad and she's like oh did you uh yeah no i don't know I, I don't remember that and all of a sudden i realized that i was the one person in the entire universe who was holding on to that failure who was punishing myself over it who for whatever reason wanted to keep that memory alive and all of a sudden I was like, well, hell, why don't I let it go too? You know? And so uh, I, I don't know. It's like, uh, uh, don't worry about failing, man. Uh, you're going to fail a lot and you're going to say a lot of wrong things and stuff will go bad here and there. Uh, uh, once you expect it and embrace it, you'll feel a lot better. So, Brian, that begs the question, did that moment really happen? <laughs> I, I mean, that's just it, right? Is is this is <laughs> I, I the only reason I hold on to it is because I feel like there's important lessons. Uh, and I love telling the story like I did right here. Outside of that, just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Whew. Wow. That that's that's an amazing story. And even though there were so many people listening, it just it goes to show just how how fleeting moments really are, no matter how many people see them. Yeah, well, and we all have a tendency to uh, assume things are a bigger deal than they are, and and, and we blow it, them up. Yeah. In in that regard, I, I would say that one of my greatest assets in in my career has been the um, uh, twenty year email correspondence I've kept up with Teller from Pennant. Oh, nice. Uh, he's, he's like, uh, uh, basically Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'll write him and say, you know, here's, here's where I'm at. You know, should I be worried about X or Y or Z? Uh, and once you have somebody who is so insanely talented and insanely uh, successful, when somebody has that perspective from very far away and is able to say things like, for example, you know, I'm able to say, uh, hey, man, I'm legitimately having an anxiety attack over this. You know, I, I failed pretty hard on this. And uh, and this is I, I don't know what will happen next. 
And to just have somebody uh, passively say, you know, like, uh, by the way, I, I got talked into uh, showing up on America's Got Talent and it did not go well. They uh, they all booed. Uh, I did. I did the fake hand stab thing. Uh, and uh, uh, everyone thought I had actually screwed up. And so they did what they naturally uh, expected you to do is, you know, boo, you know, yeah. you're bad and you should feel bad. And uh, and so, you know, immediately. I uh, did uh, went into. Um, I want to make sure this doesn't see air, so I immediately got argumentative. <laughs> and so I, I argued with the judges, and it was not good television. It didn't go anywhere, and it, it eventually didn't show up. But there was a good like six months. I remember thinking, uh, I have career cancer. Uh, this is going to come out. It's growing out there in the ether. This is going to come out. And, uh, and it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a punching bag. I'll be a punchline and all this stuff. And I, and I wrote Teller, like, I am losing it. I am losing uh, it over this. And Teller's just like, ah, whatever. We screwed up on the Super Bowl. Like, we got a prediction full on wrong. Wow. Um, yeah. All stuff goes away. You won't even remember it. And I was like, I was, and to hear somebody say that, I, I was like, no, uh, you, you don't understand. I have career cancer, Teller. It's all over. And he's just like, no, you don't. Get Get over it. Be cool. Yeah, I, <laughs> so, I guess the the entertainment industry is just moving too fast for for stuff like that to really take hold. You know. Yeah. Well, and I I I think there's an abundance of opportunities. You know, like let's say at the end of the day, it is that terrifying black mark on your record. Like I said, just surround it with so much white. You know, people people don't see the one. Uh, you know, the one. Uh, uh, ugly part they see uh, you know how gorgeous everything else is yeah yep so brian we're uh we're coming up here at the end of the show and this is kind of a, a light sorts. so so fast i know right <laughs> i i could talk to you for hours man i i have to say um but th this is a point where i have you recommend a resource and then a couple of books uh, so first of all, I, I'd like you to just recommend a resource that you always use to our listeners. And this could be anything from an iPhone app to something like a prop list for your show. I'll tell you what, man, um, uh, for the record, I'll, I'll confess it. I ain't, I ain't ashamed to admit it. Uh, I used to be a bad person and, uh, I used to, uh, pirate audiobooks and stuff, you know, that kind of underground handing stuff around. Right. But, uh, but, but, but I, I sense you know what is it? I'm I'm five years now without without pirating anything because uh, I got a subscription to Audible. Uh, Audible has been like the best resource because now they have all the the great courses uh, are on there. Oh, really? there there's uh, amazing books that now every time anyone recommends any kind of nonfiction book, uh, I, I immediately just pick it up instantly on audible. I do the platinum thing, two books a month and, uh, uh, best decision I've ever made. Mm -hmm. I am constantly learning, constantly growing. It takes little moments that are otherwise dead time and turns them into important and productive learning time. Yeah. And if you guys are listening to this podcast, you love audio. So definitely, uh, check out audible. Yeah. Unless you secretly <laughs> hate audio and you've spent the last hour being like, shut up, brushwood. In which case, maybe <laughs> Audible's not for you. Right, right, and then uh, and then there's these uh, these other things with uh, with uh, what is it paper, and they put them oh, together in horrible. Uh, oh my gosh, it, it's books, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh man. So, all right, uh, now since we're on the subject of books, uh, I'd like you to recommend one performance specific book, and then one book outside of the performance realm, like a business or a self development book. 
So I just finished reading Make Art, Make Money, which is a book about uh, business lessons learned from Jim Henson's story. And uh, one of the things that we all have a tendency to think of is uh, our art and commerce are on opposite sides of the coin is what we many of us believe. But uh, instead, this book kind of breaks down the idea that there are free there are three phrases or phases. There's uh, you make art. And then you make art, make money, and then you use that money to fund the type of art that otherwise you never could have made. And so uh, when yeah. you think in terms of, for example, um, uh, you know, Jim, Jim Henson for 10 years made commercials uh, with, his, with his Muppet creations. They, you know, you have uh, picture Kermit the Frog selling cigarettes or, or whatever. Like that's, uh, that's not exactly what happened, but, but something close to it. Uh, but he was able to take that time where essentially the ads uh, made possible him building Sesame Street, which which he definitely did not want to commercialize. You know, it talks about how um, Sesame Street was the gift that was made possible by all the commercial stuff that he did. Wow. And uh, uh, when you start thinking in terms of of that with with your talent and what it is you have to offer the world. And essentially all of those ads he was doing weren't ads for the product. I think it was some coffee brand um, that, uh, that nobody remembers. But uh, instead, the, they all really were ads for Jim Henson's talent and storytelling and his Muppets. Like mm -hmm. he somehow came out uh, ahead. And uh, I think there's, there's a lot of really good lessons in there. Make art, make money. It's a good book. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is, is that the performance book or the business book? <laughs> uh, yes, it is. It's both. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say either one. Pick your poison. Uh, let me do a uh, another pick would be, um, uh, if you haven't read it, the amazing autobiography of Steve Martin, Born mm -hmm. Standing Up, Ooh, is love that uh, one. really resonated with me. I was like, I've been there. I know what it's like. He describes the nature of traveling town to town and not me being able to keep track of where you are. He talks about uh, being wired for hours and hours after the electric high of yeah. being on stage and not being able to sleep afterward. Yeah. Uh, it's great. So a uh, great book, great story. Good times. And by the way, links to these resources uh, will be provided on the show notes, which you'll be able to find at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash Schwood, and that's S-H-W-O-O-D. Yeah, there so. is no C in Schwood. It's the last part of Brushwood. People always ask. I was like, I thought that was obvious, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so I'd like you to do one more thing for us. Just give us a uh, piece of parting advice for our listeners and then tell us where we can find you online, plug your services and any products that you would like to. Uh, uh, okay. A uh, bit of advice is um, uh, freaking try. Just try. Don't be that guy. There's so much safety in coming up with reasons why you never got around to doing X or Y or Z. Uh, there was a show I did in 1998. Uh, at a, a, a little company called PC Order. And for whatever reason, there was somebody who had a background in the circus and uh, now was a, a workaday engineer. And he sat there holding court. Every time I would do a routine, somebody would run to the back and they'd ask him, hey, how did he break this brick over his head or whatever? And he would, he would take a dump on my show and just say like, oh, that's, that's no big deal. You just do this, this, that. And I remember thinking, uh, what causes somebody to be that guy and then I projected myself forward and I imagined it's 10, 15 years later and uh, I was at Dell and there was some cheesy illusionist at a Christmas holiday party uh, and I couldn't handle 
the fact that everyone was clapping for him and, and cheering, uh, I realized I might be that guy. I might use whatever I had to, to, to feel good for just one moment. And I realized like, uh, I, I don't want to be that. That's the whole reason that I wanted to get magic out of my system because I didn't want to talk about what might've been. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you dare, to know dare, for sure. dare, yeah, dare to try Des- decide right now that, uh, uh, you, the purchase price is all the unpleasant things that are going to happen. And there will be so many unpleasant things. It will be so unbelievably difficult, but decide that you are willing to pay that purchase price and grow and develop and constantly get yourself to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, and if it's in you, it will come out. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a good point. Uh, so I just ascended the heavens now. <laughs> fly to my own planet. Clapping. <laughs> and that's, that's all the white marks surrounding the black, right? Yeah, man. It's uh, again, uh, we, we exist as, as, as trends, not as individual actions. Mm-hmm. So trend in the right direction. Nice. And fail faster. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So go ahead and uh, tell us where we can find you online and uh, plug your, your products. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, if you just search Brian Brushwood, you'll find a bunch of stuff. Uh, Scam School comes out new episodes every Wednesday. We're starting to do more uh, behind the scam episodes where we talk about the theory of, of magic. Oh, Cool. We uh, 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 we do Scam School Remix now. Where you know a lot of this content is so old that it's uh, that it's new again. People have uh, we 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 take what was an eight minute episode and then whittle it down to just the core three minutes and and throw those up. All that's at uh, YouTube.com/slash/scamschool. Which by the way, we are uh, less than forty thousand subscribers away from one million subscribers. Wow. Uh, yeah. Really. Uh, again, I don't know how that happened. That was amazing. Um, uh, night attack is our independent comedy podcast. Uh, it's good. It's a good show. I didn't expect it to get so good, but it really is. And we talk about, um, you know, pot, the world of podcasting and watching what you want, when you want on whatever device you want mm-hmm. on a little show called cord killers every Monday. Ooh, nice. All right. And, uh, on, on Twitter, you're Schwood, uh, at yep. Schwood. Yep, Atchwood. That's probably the best place to kind of follow along. Okay. Are are you uh more on Twitter these days still or are you on Google Plus lately? Uh yeah, you know what? I I only if something is uh usually I'll find a, a little tidbit whether it's a funny video or a clever thing. Uh if if I'm going to bother to post it on Google Plus or uh Facebook, I just do all three and I make sure that it gets out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh but in the meantime, you know, Twitter, man, brevity, brevity's where it's at, dude. I love the fact that I'm limited to only 140 characters and that, <laughs> uh, that's, that's why like, to be honest, don't even send me an email because I'll read it and I'll mark it as unread and say that deserves a thoughtful reply that I definitely will get around to writing later today. And then it never happens. Whereas <laughs> Twitter, it's so easy to clear out that, that inbox of at replies. So hit yeah. me up on Twitter, twitter.com slash wood. All right. All right. Well, Brian, you have, you have taken us on an incredible journey. You've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience. Thank you so much for having me on, man. That was great. Hey, it was my pleasure.
Hey guys, this is Chris Shepard, your host, signing out. I just wanted to remind you of a couple of things here. Uh, be sure to visit our Facebook group and interact there. You can find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash FB group. And also don't forget to check out that free PDF show booking and debrief form. And you can find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash booking sheet. And also if there's any way that, I, that you think I can improve the show or anything uh, you would like to see in the future or anybody you'd like me to you know, try and get on the show as a guest, uh, just shoot me an email at ks at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com. Now, go out there and make your dreams happen. Hey man, it's Brian. I'm testing one, two, then three.